What's going on, everybody? This is Rafiki, and welcome to Power BT, a podcast that will take you to the West Indies and beyond with powerful short stories written by yours truly. Here, we will also dive into the history, culture, and literature of the region I call home and the places that have made it into what it is today. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another episode of Power BT. Um, I know last week we had a quick episode. We had Jamie Fonse on the podcast to kind of add perspective, maybe not necessarily in the Caribbean sense or the diasporic sense, but more so in the writing sense. I was really happy to have on here. I felt like it was a good change of pace. Um, but it feels good to just, you know, do solo episodes and trying to balance life with Power BT as many of us do, whether we're doing something creative or simply trying to maintain, you know, community with other people, um, stay in shape, so on and so forth. So this adulting stuff is hard. Like, that's all I can say. Um, these last few weeks, honestly, I've done a lot of different stuff. I think most notably that I wanted to share is like, I saw The Lion King on Broadway for the first time ever. I'm a huge fan of The Lion King. Um, obviously, my pen name is Rafiki. Um, spelled differently than the Lion King's Rafiki. And I don't even want to necessarily label it as a word or a name that is the property of Disney, even though I'm sure they would try to say that. But for those that don't know, Rafiki in Swahili, which is the language the name or word comes from, it means friends. And I feel like, you know, as people, and most people don't get to change their name or choose their name, So when I started writing and taking, or when I started writing seriously and thinking of a pen name, because I knew I wanted to go by a different name, Rafiki really stuck out to me because it fits in line with my God-given name, which starts with the same letter. Um, And I felt like it encapsulated what I hope to be, like, you know, not not only a storyteller or a griot or whatever people want to call it, but someone who leans into wisdom and you know wisdom comes from the past so you have to be a historian you have to be willing to sit down with people older than you and pick their brains and listen to convoluted stories and I feel like Rafiki embodies that um that's something I hope to embody all my life It, it highlights the longevity of storytelling and you know understanding and studying history and that's why I like Rafiki and seeing the Lion King on Broadway I mean it was beautiful the designs were beautiful I have a friend who does set designs for plays and it just made me have a deeper appreciation for not only the art but the execution and production of different artistic productions um and it's just an example of why art and culture need to continue to be cultivated I think a lot of people only take the initiative with that kind of thing once they get older they see an appreciation for it but they forget that children are very in tune with artistic endeavors like think about how many children like to draw and paint and do all types of different things um and then music of course music has a huge profound effect on our society but i think people need to nurture talents without necessarily forcing children or even adults to make money off of them you know that's what capitalism does it makes you feel like you have to monetize everything you do and that's why people don't enjoy them um but yeah I got to see the Lion King and I had a really really 
really good time. Um, I also saw the new Spider-Man movie, um, the second one with Miles Morales, and that was awesome. I mean, the representation that one was really, really cool. Obviously, Miles Morales is a Afro-Puerto Rican um, person in Brooklyn. Obviously, I'm a rep Brooklyn. I'm really excited for that. And, you know, even though he's not technically West Indian, seeing another Caribbean person or person of Caribbean descent displayed in pop culture is just really really cool um so i really enjoyed that movie as well and it just inspired me to continue going with power bt regardless of how big it gets or how well known it gets i think it's just the importance of continuing to create art not only for our diaspora to enjoy um but for the broader world to enjoy i just i reminded of that every day i even started this show on netflix called african folk tales which i've been waiting for it to be released and it's like a a depiction on Netflix of different African stories, whether they are old or new, I'm not quite sure, but I'm really just loving the representation that I'm seeing in media. Um, and it's just, it's uplifting and it's fulfilling for me. And I would say on another note, I even started practicing Haitian Creole. It's about time I, I took the time to formally study another Creole language. You know, I talk a lot about Grenada's Patois, Caracou's Patois for the Big Drum Dance. And I've been studying that, obviously, for the past year or so as I research and review and then share this music and, and culture with you all. But the dialects between the two languages are very different. Um, and I used to study French for many, many years. So Duolingo recently added Haitian Creole as a language to study. And I was like, you know, I might as well give it a shot. Um, so I have. I've been at it for nearly two weeks, and I'm really, really enjoying myself. Um, as busy as life has been, just writing and recording for the podcast and studying another language, you know, these are just some of the things that I am finding fulfillment in. Um, on top of other stuff, like I've been reading Bell Hooks' novel, All About Love. I mean, I could talk about, there's honestly a lot of things that I've been trying to do. Um, to kind of inform not only myself as a person, but add to the content of the podcast. Um, but I'm sure I'm, I can dive into those things later. But I just wanted to share this kind of piece as a reminder to do things that fulfill you. Um, do activities that bring you joy, no matter how busy you are. That's the only way life is going to be fun. If you live in the present, you will live a thousand lifetimes. Um, I saw a quote like that today and it just struck me as very, very powerful. So I wanted to share. So today's episode marks the last in the Ebo collection. And, you know, I feel like with this being the longest collection that we've done, I'm honestly glad that it's coming to an end. Um, I wish it was kind of coming to an end in a different way because with so many of these episodes, obviously I'm sharing a recording and breaking down the songs, but unfortunately these two songs for this episode, um, they do not have any recordings that I could find. These songs have distinct titles and I actually discovered them, quote unquote, reading, um, a book by Lorna McDaniel. She's someone who researched Karakou's Big Drum Dance in the 1980s and published the book in 19, um, 1998. Um, and this book is called The Big Drum Ritual Praise Songs in Flight. Um, let me see. Yeah, The Big Drum Ritual of Karakou Praise Songs in Flight. So 
this was essentially a book kind of talking about the big drum dance, the nations, the different types of songs. Um, and it's one of the most comprehensive texts I've seen on Karaku's big drum dance. Um, I've, you know, of course, like being it with it being a scholarly source, she has used other sources to kind of, you know, build upon or build her own thinking upon and hold her own writing upon. However, it's been very hard for me to even come across the sources that she referenced. So this is the only written source I have. Of course, there's another book on not necessarily the big drum dance, but specifically the nation, one of the nations of Karaku, the Temne nation. Um, and it talks about the Temne people in Karaku and how they relate to Sierra Leone, which is something we kind of touched on when we were in the Temne collection. Um, but that's where I found these stories, and not these stories, that's where I found these songs. And these songs that also belong to the Igbo Nation are very obscure because I don't have a recording, I don't have any information on them, and I don't have any clear translation. I tried to translate it based on what I understand of, you know, Grenadian and Karakou Patois, you know, Haitian Creole and other French Creoles, and I even used Google Translate to try to get me an idea but it was very very hard to distinguish and translate and most of this is un um untranslated so the first song is Io Ibo Lele Lele and mind you in earlier in this collection we talked about the song I am a diamond Ibo Lele and how Ibo Lele in Haiti um, is the name of a Haitian Lawa that represents the Igbo people. So once again, we're seeing this phrase, Igbo Lele, come about. Um, but it's not clear because Karaku's Big Drum Dance does not have spiritual possession. or ne- It does not clearly or necessarily invoke spirits. People don't re- necessarily recognize the spirits that are called upon in this day and age anymore. It's unknown if this would have been associated with that Haitian Lawa or if it has a different distinction. We know that because of these songs being focused on different nations that they're to honor those ancestors um, and honor those cultural ties and ancestral ties. Um, but this song is very obscure. The lyrics are Iyo Ibu Lele Lele Baya Mama Kakiti. Baya Mama, I've understood that to be give your mother because Bayo is give them, so ya. Um, is kind of, it's not necessarily a new word, but it's conjugated differently from my understanding of like the French Creole language and how things function. Um, and then the next sentence is Baya Mama Safa Mi, which is give your mother what you did to me based on what I was able to translate. So as the big drum dance kind of continued on through time and Karaku became a English Creole speaking place, versus a French Creole speaking place, the songs were kind of adapted to include both English and French Creole words. Um, so that's kind of what you're seeing in this song, but this song is very obscure. I don't even know how it would sound. Um, and so there's not much I can kind of go into when it comes to that one. But the second song is kind of interesting because it is titled Ibo Move Nation. And for those who know French and know Creole, mauvais means bad, negative, um, so on and so forth. And so the lyrics for this are also Ibolele, Ibolele, O Ibolele, Lele, Dahomey. So Dahomey is being referenced. Um, and when we talked about the 
house donation and like the brief house collection that we did um the homie was also referenced because obviously prior to colonialization africa was not cut up into these clear distinct giant countries that we see today there are people of different ethnic groups living in different smaller nations that's very diverse um and so obviously you have maybe not necessarily Igbo people living in Dahomey because based on what I've seen and the research I've done Igbo people have always been in what is now modern day Nigeria but because of trade and, and communication with other nations who might have interacted like say we use the Yoruba as an example there are Yoruba people who live in what is now modern day Benin which was once Dahomey and because Igbo and Yoruba people have bordered one another it makes sense that through their through their association with the Yoruba people that they would know of Dahomey because the trade routes within West Africa are very ex extensive. And then on top of people being taken from the continent into the Caribbean for the transatlantic slave trade, it just makes sense why other lands that people may not have visited or really had direct contact with, why they're able to reference them. Um, so this song talks about how the Igbo is a negative nation the, the sentence Igbo move nation Dahomey they're saying Igbo is a bad nation Dahomey maybe Igbo is a bad nation to Dahomey or from Dahomey's perspective and the next sentence is when ba famil Igbo Dahomey so the person saying I am not of that nation Dahomey um, and this is kind of a little hard for me to distinguish it's almost as if they're saying that they're not of the Igbo nation and they are from Dahomey, or the other way around, and they are not of Dahomey, they are from the Igbo nation. I think the first one is more obvious, just because this is attributed to the Igbo people. However, it is very contradictory to many of the messages behind Igbo songs and Igbo representation, not only in Karakou, but in other places, because Igbo people are known to be very proud, um, known to be very homesick when they were experiencing chattel slavery they were known to be a lot more um depressed than other enslaved africans who were taken to the colonies in the americas so on and so forth so these two songs kind of threw me for a loop um and i wish i could find more information on them but i cannot i think i think with these two songs i might be dealing with something that may truly be lost to time i have not seen any recordings of them i have not seen anyone dancing and um, you know, Karaku has, the people of Karaku have done a really good job of sharing this, this cultural event, um, and religious event with the world on YouTube and stuff like that. And even some songs I thought weren't being sung anymore. I saw like for an example, example would be Igbo and Dem. I hadn't seen any like live recording of it in this day and age. And I saw one posted like a few weeks ago with this little boy dancing um, and I think I talked about it. He was killing it, but I haven't seen any such recording of these two songs. It makes me wonder if maybe down the line as people study this tradition and study other traditions and, and try to, you know, restore practices, if because music and, and culture is fluid, if these things can be revived or if someone has knowledge of, um, what this used to be they can kind of bring it back i'm just wondering if this is a situation where there might need to be some revitalization going on but both of these songs 
with them both being so obscure and with the second song evil motivation being focused on the evil being represented negatively they kind of inspired a story of mine that i want to narrate with you guys um which i have titled bad mind makes stink mode um so i just want to kind of preface before i narrate the story that these narrations of short stories are inspired by the big drum dance they are not the origins of these songs the songs predate all stories narrated on this podcast um and once again these stories are inspired by this tradition which has been around for centuries um so if you guys really are enjoying this podcast if you're enjoying the stories be sure to subscribe to the show follow on instagram follow me on instagram and on twitter And once again, share with those who you know. I would really like to take PowerBT to a next step and, you know, maybe get some more professionalism behind it and more power behind it. It's hard to be a creator consistently on your own, Um, but I'm trying. I really appreciate those of you who come back time and time again to listen to these stories, to listen to these brief history lessons, and who are just willing to sit and learn with me. It means the world to me, honestly. So thank you, um, and I hope you enjoyed the story. Mama knew sat alone in the damp darkness of her single room house. It was simple, constructed with a mixture of dirt and cement and roofed with bramble and bamboo. Air flowed into the house through the front passageway, as well as through the cracks and holes in the wall, purposely created for ventilation. Sighing. She ran a hand through her kinky dreadlocks and splashed water from a mildewing bucket onto her face. She looked up as a slender man with glinting yellow eyes stepped into her home, causing the beaded curtain to click with movement. You feel you could just walk into my home unannounced? Mama knew sucked her teeth. Sasaye, what is this? The man chuckled, his voice echoing in a disjointed manner. I'm not a stranger. You know me. I wish I didn't. No. What you want to Nancy? Mama knew snapped. Long time me and see ya. Not since I met Kujo and made life out of the shit in this place. Tell me, what does it feel like to be able to come and go as you please? Anansi's lax demeanor fled, and his typical smile faded. He blinked with concern, his many eyes flickering in and out of view as he looked around the disheveled hut. I could show ya. Mamanu picked up the bucket and tossed its contents outside. No, you can't. I can't leave. I am bound to this place. Takiaraku? Anansi raised an eyebrow. No, you're not. It was then that Mamanu bent down and lifted the edges of her once lavish dress, revealing a deep, a dark metal chain. Anansi's eyes widened with shock as he followed the rusted, grimy links to a cast iron statue in the form of a horn masquerader. Anansi looked at her, enraged. Who did this to you? Does it matter? Anansi stepped towards her and picked up the chain, causing a bolt of crimson lightning and fire to strike him in the chest and knock him into the wall. He coughed and groaned in agony. Mamanu sat down next to him and sighed deeply. Who did this to you? Anansi repeated. We are not the only beings of power in this place, Mamanu started. You may not have been gone, Anansi, but you didn't do anything to help the people. I, her voice broke, I had to shrink the evil to save the others. 
When the surviving ones found out what happened, they summoned Ibulele and had me chained here as punishment. Where's Kujo? Oko? Dambala? Anansi asked, enraged. Where's Legba? Where them there? We are not a family. We're not even kin, Anansi. What happens to me is not their concern. Anansi shook his head. Stop talking that way. Bad mind makes stink moat. If you have a bad thought, just keep it to yourself. I go figure this one out. Mama knew watched as Anansi stood and dusted himself off before stepping out of the hut into the blazing sunlight. Crawling onto her hands and knees, she halted at the shade's edge and gingerly held at her fingers until the light's warmth graced her skin. She said to herself in Patois, Hell has no fury like the scorned Igbo. Anansi stood alone in a clearing in the jungle before a small fire. The sun had begun to set as he finalized the last of his ritual. Next to the campfire was a vev, a symbol that mirrored that of a three-pronged drum with a cross in the middle and stars around it. Opening a bottle of rum with his teeth, Anansi poured libation in a clockwise motion. He discarded his shirt into the fire and crouched before the vev, gently tapping the top of it as if playing an instrument. The earth shimmered red and blue, and a drum identical to the vev rose from the soil. The fire swirled and blossomed into a giant, dark-skinned man with red and white robes around him and gold jewelry. Bonjour, Ibulele. Anansi bowed deeply, smirking while his face could not be seen. Ibulele frowned and looked around them. Bonjour, Aranien. I have not been brought forth in this place since the day of reckoning I delivered on the matriarch, and before that I had not been in centuries. Why do you wake me here when we could speak in Haiti? Anansi began to strut around the giant. I like Karaku. I like change. What I don't like are chains. People like us and our children have been chained too long, no? Ibulele's eyes squinted. Tread carefully, Anansi. You're chained up the mud of this island when you barely know the people who live here. She killed my children. Anansi laughed dryly. Children, them people don't recognize you. They don't even know your name beyond a phrase and a song. You're wrong, Lele. Ibulele's muscles writhed and his eyes lit into balls of flame. He raised a hand as if to strike Anansi down, but simply stretched and yawned. I see now why you called me. Why don't you free her yourself since you're so vexed by it? Only you can free her. Then I guess she is doomed to rot. Anansi chuckled again and clicked his tongue. I knew you would say that, so I brought this, considered a bargaining chip. Ibulele watched as Anansi reached into his pocket and pulled out a glowing wisp. The wisp swirled and whined, slowly forming into the shape of a young woman. Ibulele frowned as recognition flickered across his eyes. His muscles continued to flex, but he did not move. I know you recognize her, Anansi continued. Zoe is always your favorite. Funny to think that in the same way she was shipped from Haiti to Karaku, she has changed hands from me to you. The evil may be your children, but parents always have favorites. Set new free, and I will give you your daughter back. One soul for a demigod? What is the catch? Ibulele asked. Anansi's eyes flickered. Never lay your hands on her again. 
If you have any disputes with another spirit on the Igbo, you will call on me for counsel. Igbo Lele shook his head. You like to be in the middle of everything, don't you, Aranyan? You have a deal. Anansi's smile stretched to the far corners of his face, and he blew gently into his palm, passing Zoe's soul into Igbo Lele's hand. Her soul flashed, morphing into a golden ring. Anansi watched as the ring glided onto Igbo Lele's finger. The giant cast Anansi a final look of disgust and annoyance before vanishing into a shower of golden embers. Anansi began his leisurely walk back to Mama New's hut. He arrived to find her standing in the doorway, the shattered chains in her hand. Tossing them to the ground, Mama New ran and embraced Anansi tightly, causing him to groan in discomfort. You're welcome, he sputtered. Now you can't say I never did anything good for you. Mama New laughed playfully. Thank you, Anansi. Thanks for coming when it mattered. Well, everyone, that is it for today's episode. Once again, if you enjoyed this story, if you enjoyed this conclusion to the ebook collection, please be sure to subscribe to the show, share it on Instagram, Twitter, follow PowerBT on Instagram, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to share with those who you feel like would appreciate on these stories. Next episode, we're going to be getting into a new collection I'm very excited for. Once again, I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.